Hey, you're listening to Chew on That. Here's what we're chewing on today. Obadiah is written by a prophet. He was bringing a warning to a nation of people that we're going to learn about today. He kept his words very brief and to the point. And so this is the shortest book in the Old Testament. His warnings are about the pride of a nation that started with the impatience of one man. The entire book shows us a dramatic example of God's response to anyone who would harm his children. So I will explain God's chosen people for you. And we are going to discover the two main points of the entire book of Obadiah and the title of this message, Impatience and Pride. Hey, hi, you're joining us for Chew On That. My name is Scott Eastman. I'm the downtown pastor for Life Church in Green Bay. And you're joining us for a podcast where we dig deeper into the most recent sermon from the current sermon series happening at Life Church in Green Bay. And that happens to be a sermon on the book of Obadiah from our friend, Pastor Sonny Hennessy, uh, from the sermon series, Postcards from Heaven. Joining me today is my good friend, Jason Heinrich. Say hi, Jason. Hello, everyone. Hey, it's so great that you're here today. I think a lot of people probably know who you are because you're super handsome and you're always in the lobby, but maybe not a lot of people know like who you are. So maybe tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Thanks, Scott. Uh, yeah. So I'm a division manager for Vector Marketing. I've been doing this for about 17 years now. That's incredible. Yeah. It's been a while. Um, I run the Northwoods Division, which is basically most of Wisconsin and the Upper Peninsula. And I train, teach, coach, inspire students to sell Cutco. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So that's what Vector Marketing is. It's mm -hmm. Cutco. Mm -hmm. So why would I buy a Cutco knife rather than just going and get one at Costco? Oh, Cutco and Costco. They're like yeah, related. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where do I start? So quick, forever guaranteed, American-made, everyone eats. Might as well buy now and have it forever then right. replace junk over and over again. Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. Huh. And they have those cool handles. Cool handles, yeah. I feel like they feel really good in your hand. They do. Ergonomic. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me um, tell me about like your family. Tell me about, yeah, your family. Mm -hmm. Totally. So most importantly, I'm a father to Micah, 16 months old. It's been amazing to be, to be a father and see him grow up. And wife, Abby, who is phenomenal. She's just done recently. She uh, GM of the exchange. Love, yep. her, love her a lot. And then, um, yeah, we like to have a lot of fun and- I have a book on the side too. It's a little bonus, a little bonus tip. Tell me about that. Uh, it's called Conquer the Post-College Passion Slump. So it's all about kind of like my uh, Cutco journey and Jesus journey and how I feel so many students really need some more coaching and encouragement other than just their college education. Yeah. And I think a lot of them are just missing that lost and, and hurt. And so I uh, just kind of all the, nothing really new, just was, my own package. What was the name of that book again? Uh, Conquer the Post-College Passion Slump. Can they find that on the Amazon? The Amazon and the Audible. <laughs> yeah. Did you record your own Audible? I did not, oh, no. gotcha. Yeah, if I had a voice like you and your flow, What is she talking different. about? Like, I love your voice. You sound good in this. Maybe oh, you just thanks, yeah. don't have the right mic at home. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Tell me, are you from Green Bay originally? Uh, I'm from Waukesha. And I went to UW-Whitewater for college and then moved up here to run a Cutco office. I see. And it's how I met Abby is through a mutual friend who worked with me and went to high school with her. And now we're, we're planted. We yeah. are here. We're living in, in De Pere now. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're a 920 for life. Yeah, that's awesome. Tell me yeah. about your Jesus journey. Oh, so my Jesus journey started when I was six years old. I was watching Cops with my mom. I'm like, mom, bad why are boys, these- Bad boys, bad yeah, boys. Yeah, what yeah. you gonna do? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I'm like, mom, why are they so bad? And why are they doing all these bad things? And she's like, well, honey, they aren't Christians. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what does that mean? And then so I did the whole prayer right there. And that was like my start 
Um, it kind of became my own throughout church. I went to a big church down um, down in Brookfield, and it was it was really fun and really great to be a part of that. But I didn't really think I feel like I made it my own until really coming to Life Church actually. Mm. Um, so my Jesus journey is. Uh, you know, college, I tried. I was one foot in the world, one foot out for sure from like 18 to 27, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of great churches in the area I've attended and I've had my own kind of flow of journey where I was always there, but I didn't really deep dive until the last five years, five, mm-hmm. six years uh, being at Life Church. Wow, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. For, to hear Abby t- tell it, she talks about how like she just admired where you were mm-hmm. in your Jesus journey when you met. And mm-hmm. but to hear you tell it, you're like, I was just getting started. Mm-hmm. So that's so cool that, you know, that she recognized that in you, A, mm-hmm. but two, that like you guys have grown together in your mm-hmm. faith because like she's straight up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she's got it. Yeah. And so I love that. You must be super duper proud. Yeah. Super proud, super excited and feel so thankful that God brought us together for sure. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, this isn't the Jason Heinrich show. It's yeah. chew on that. So let's jump into that um, very first soundbite. Abraham and Sarah later did have their own promised son, Isaac. But what if they just had been patient? What if they had just been patient in God's promise to make him father Abraham? See how similar we are to them in our impatience? Yeah, I love where she starts here because I, I feel like our impatience is actually what gets us into the most trouble. Like mm-hmm. even even back to like the the first the first trouble that we ever got in, like not on cops, but on mm-hmm. in the book of Genesis where yeah. like like they had everything Adam and Eve, everything they could want, a, mm-hmm. a life forever, the no concept of like um, shame, right? Because they like were naked and like they didn't think that was any big deal. Like they had no concept of. Like they never got sick, they never grew old, and you know, and like everything was beautiful, everything was theirs. They could eat anything they want, they could name anything they want, they could go ride anything they want. Like maybe they got to ride giraffes. I don't know. Like they got to do whatever they wanted. But then the temptation for them was more knowledge. And they didn't want to wait to develop the knowledge. They wanted it right now. I want it right now. I want to mm-hmm. microwave my knowledge. I want to instant freeze my knowledge they just they wanted it now and so they were impatient and that's what led them to trouble and i feel like i wonder if you can't just trace back every bit of trouble that we get in Mm -hmm. as being something of impatience like i don't want to wait for joy to take root i don't want to wait for joy to like prove to be beneficial to me i want to be happy i want to you know what i mean Mm. i don't know like i just feel like impatience is a big part of that yeah i feel like god's time is always better i think every time i look back at moments in my life where I was angry or frustrated in my situation that when I think about where I was and then looking back to where, you know, from where I am now and how thankful and blessed and excited I am, I feel like, man, thank you, God, for protecting me from that. Because if my impatience would have uh, pulled through, you know, I wouldn't be where where I was at. So I feel like God always gives us choices and chances. And I just feel like we keep messing up on the chances and uh, sometimes we don't always make the right choices. And so I think it's important to really rely on his timing because, yeah, and when I look back, when I've messed up, a lot of times it has been the, the selfish, quick, microwave desires that I want versus yeah. what, what God wants. Yeah, and I, I mean, it, <clears throat> we got to be in it for the long game. Like mm-hmm. Sean used that, I think, a few weeks ago where he talked about how this faith thing isn't a, isn't like a quick fix, isn't like a quick happiness, isn't like a quick 
a lot of us make that decision like you did, you know, mm-hmm. watching, you know, cops and like, oh man, I don't want to get arrested by the cops and thrown on the ground. So I better be a Christian, right? So something, mm-hmm. you know, like that, maybe that first step is a quick fix. But then when we find in our walk is that it's a long game, you know, and like it's a, that process of sanctification, like becoming holy, you know, by what God can do in us, that's, a, that's all it takes a long time to figure out. And so and I feel like that's good in, in one of two ways or, in two ways, not one of two mm-hmm. ways. I feel like that's good mm-hmm. because, <laughs> you know, sometimes like it takes us a long time to recognize the things in us that are like unappealing to God or disappointing to God. And like, because sometimes we'll say, I don't want to be a Christian just right now because I really enjoy the things I'm doing in my life. Like I really like drinking too much or sleeping around too much or shopping too much or eating too much. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to wait for a second, you know, and I'm just going to enjoy this. And then when I, feel like I'm done with those things, then I'll give God a try. And that that's not the model. Yeah. You know? I feel like it's, con- it's, a, it's a constant battle. I feel like I have a lot of friends who have, have not fully dove into their faith or even growing up in college and I was one foot in, one foot out. A lot of people are like, why would I want to be boring? Why would I want to <laughs> get rid of these pleasures? And then the more I drifted away from that and, and really followed my Jesus journey uh, to, you know, as close as I could, as close as I can, I feel like it's so freeing because you're not going out there looking for all the, you know, the going out to party and find someone and the stress that's part of it that right. is my own selfish instant desires as opposed to, well, God, let me just be my best self so you can also prepare someone who can be there and be ready for for each other yeah. to be to be our best selves. That's what happened with, you mentioned Abby before too. It's, we were both on our own journey to really grow and we, we mentioned, we joked around that if we would have met in college, it would have been like fun hangout, would have met, and it would have been like a one or two week fling, mm-hmm. right? It wouldn't have been long lasting yeah. because we were patient on growing ourselves and diving into our faith that when we met, it was like, wow, we're both ready um, enough to dive in to, together in this thing. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. really good. I really dig that. That's fantastic. Pastor Dallas said, he just traded away the rights of a lifetime for a meal that would only last him a few hours, all because he could not wait. I mean, I feel like that, you know, follows up what you just said. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, sorry, you're, you're gonna say something. I feel like I, I jumped in. No, I mean, I just, how hungry was this guy? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? You're, yeah. you're gonna trade your rights, your rights as the man, the lead of the family, the firstborn for a meal? Like what? Like, I, I don't, I don't understand that one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking of it as the, in the story that you just told yeah. in the last segment, right? Mm-hmm. Where if you and, and Abby had met in, while you were both still in school, mm-hmm. right? That it would have been like a meal, right? right? Oh, yep. this was really tasty. I can't wait to have yep. this thing. Yep. Right. And then, you know, but you would have given up on a lifetime, mm-hmm. right? Of, 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 uh, fullness, mm-hmm. right? A lifetime of fullness, which is what you're experiencing now. You yeah. know what I mean? I feel like that's what we do. Like we'll yeah. just, we'll throw away, if we're impatient, we'll throw away fulfillness for like satisfaction. Mm-hmm. You know? Totally. There's more to the story too. Yeah. So even going off that, so I, I feel like, so the phrase I like to I like to say and that I teach my people as well, and you know, it's not, I didn't come up with it, but you know, choosing long-term joy over short-term pleasure. Mm. And so before, and I, more to my story of one foot in the world, one foot out is 
I was for sure kind of running around having too much fun uh, in my mid 20s uh, downtown Appleton. And I, I was actually, so I had met someone, uh, was found in all the pleasure, sex, partying, having fun. And it really was on my own selfish desires and what I um, really wasn't comfortable with, but I felt like, all right, mine as well. It's, it's cool now. And um, ended up living together with a few other non Christian roommates. And gosh, that was a mess. And then uh, actually, was in, got engaged and then all for the wrong reasons. Mm. And it was all for my own impatience, my selfish desires. And yep. I feel like, you know, it was, uh, it was almost a huge, huge mistake, almost a massive mistake. And so thankfully God caught me uh, beforehand and I was able to call it off uh, wow. a month or two before, but then it was just, yeah, year two of just diving back in and reflecting. And I was back um, in 2012 and there's a couple years before you know, I met Abby. And so what you were saying before, it's like, yeah, it's, you know, sometimes I feel like with the impatience, impatience, like how many people in life are, you know, in that, in that example, getting married to that own pleasure, as opposed to that extra fulfillment you're talking about that comes for, from being patient, being, being your, your best self and being patient on yourself. Right. So that makes me think of like, what is the cost of our impatience? Mm -hmm. Like Like what can that cost us? And so like, I think about, like, I mean, I don't know this girl that you were engaged to. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she's a fine person or mm-hmm. whatever, right? Yep. But, like, like if you had just stuck with your impatience or stuck with mm. your pursuit, per, per, pursuit, why can't I talk yeah. today? Your pursuit yeah. of yeah. pleasure, pursuance. That's what yeah. I was going to say. Your is pursuit, that a word? It is a word, but I just, okay. that's not the right word. Yeah. Anyway, your pursuit of pleasure. Like, what yeah. would that have cost you? Right. right? Would it have cost you emotionally? Would it cost mm-hmm. you financially? Would it cost you, uh, you know, time-wise? You know what I mean? Like it would have cost you a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, you would have wasted years, mm-hmm. you know, in a in an unfulfilling relationship, you know? And like we do that. We, you know, in our impatience, we'll do things that are going to cost us. And so like, you know, maybe that's drinking or maybe that's, you know, partying or maybe that's sleeping or maybe that's shopping or whatever, you know, like that costs us. And like, and there's no value to it. There's no long-term value to Mm-mm. it. Nope. And what I find is that this life of joy that I have, you know, knowing Jesus like I do, it costs me actually very little, you know, and the value is so deep. So it's like completely inversed where, you know, I mean, booze is expensive. Mm-hmm. Living girlfriends are expensive. You know what I mean? Like all these things are expensive, like actual money expensive. But like a, a life of faith, a life of chasing Jesus and chasing the idea of loving like Jesus did doesn't cost a thing, but the value is so deep. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's nuts. Anyway. Okay. Next one. Let's go to the next one. His descendants went on to live in the high mountain caves and they were called the Edomites. For generations, they still carried a a grudge. Their ancestor had this grudge, but the descendants, they kept being mad at Jacob's descendants. Remember a few months back when I preached a message on forgiving when you can't forget? I talked about how if we could truly forgive, we wouldn't make our children and grandchildren pay for the sins of our fathers. Mm. I feel like that's a um, very contemporary thought. I feel like there's a lot happening in today's world Mm -hmm. that talks about uh, the hate that like one people will have against another people and it's just hate that we learned or that's been passed down to us. You know, I don't know that it's, you know, scientifically genetic, but it's definitely 
psychologically, you know, passed down. And I, like, I'm like, where does it even come from? Like, how do we even get there? And there's such, there's so many misunderstandings or a lack of wanting to understand. Maybe that's even better. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't even want to understand. Like, I feel like these people are rah, rah, rah. They've always been rah, rah, rah. And they're going to be rah, rah, rah forever. My dad told me they were rah, rah, rah. And I believe they're rah, rah, rah. And rah, rah, rah being a blank where you could say, you know, anyway. So I feel like this, this difference, this unforgiveness, this uncooperativeness, this disunification, like it's, uh, it's a catastrophe, mm-hmm. you know, that, that we just don't seem to take care in, like no one cares. Yeah. I, I feel like if this brings me back to journey to wholeness of, you know, the, uh, the generational curses, right. And when yeah. you look at your family tree and you go through and you're like, whoa, there is a history of abuse. There's a history of suicide or history of X, Y, Z. And I feel like we have that choice, especially as Jesus people to really uh, stop the curse or change the curse and stop it in its tracks and, and bind it. And so I feel like, no, it's our choice though, but it's so hard because we're hurt people. You know, we're hurt, we're imperfect, we're sinners. And so I feel like a lot of times we're judging people on um, you know, their results or their actions as opposed to uh, their intentions, which I think, you know, I, I, I know my intentions are way better than my actions at times. And so I feel like we're just a bunch of imperfect, hurt people just trying to do our best. And uh, it's very easy to get uh, offended or, or feel like, uh, you know, you have to do that because it's what you saw or it's you don't know any better. And I feel like some people are in that kind of, they're in that growth mindset of that they can be better. I feel yeah. like they're thinking, well, this is just the way it is. And then they don't have Jesus or someone else to kind of show them, well, there's actually a better way or you can, you can change it. Like you do have the power to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, when I think about uh, Christians uh, in this culture today, there, there, are, there are plenty who will, like, despite the fact that they know that they're broken and imperfect, like, they have to confess that, right, in order to be Christians, I think, by definition. Mm-hmm. And so, but then they'll look at people who live differently than them, and then they'll say, you know, well, they're wrong, or they're, you know, sinners, or they're not as good as I am, you know, like it's whole, whole classes of people, whether that's by race or by culture or whatever. And like, Jesus was never that guy. He was never like, Oh yeah, this whole group of people. Yeah. That's a problem. Like they're just no good. Like Jesus never looked at people as a whole group of people. Jesus looked at people as a person and saw them no matter where they were in life, no matter, you know, what their mistakes were, no matter what their, you know, but we as people want to group people because we're lazy, Mm -hmm. you know, like, well, I'd rather, rather than getting to know you personally, I'd rather just make my own decision about you as a group, you know, and that's just our natural inclination. But like Jesus wasn't anything to do with that. You know, he didn't care if you were Samaritan. He didn't care if you were Pharisee. He didn't care if you were, you know, where we just want to group people together. And Jesus is like, no, like everybody's important. Everybody is the image of God. Even the people that have like a different skin tone than you. And even the people that have a different way of life than you or people that, you know, we just, we get so siloed in like what our life is like. And so this is what everyone's life should be like. And if it's not like this, then you're less than, or if it's not like this, then you're something like you have to be wrong because I know that I'm right. And my silo is right. So your silo must be wrong, you know, and it's just, it's so destructive. And so we just, you know, and, and people get so mad about it. They're so indignant about it. Mm-hmm. Even Christians where they're like, 
you know, well, this is the way it should be. This is the way my life is. And rah, rah, rah. And so you should, I'm doing rah, rah, rah a lot today. <laughs> um, so like anyone that doesn't do that, you're like, oh, you know, so we'll, we'll look at a class of people or a culture of people and see the way they live and like, oh, they live like animals. They're rah, blah, blah. I changed my rah, 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 blah, yeah. blah, blah. But like, I don't know, that just wasn't Jesus's way, you know, and I don't know. Yeah. I think it's so different uh, compared to what society is. I think we definitely lump people in and we go, oh, you're a Democrat or you're, you're a, a re- Republican or you're a Christian or you're not, you're black, you're white. And it's just, I think it's, it's unfortunate that we let the, you know, maybe the one or two bad experiences from that demographic affect our thinking and our love towards, towards the person, no matter what their situation is or where they're from. And so I feel like it's real important that as Jesus people, we're focusing on the person and not, and not the whole, uh, you know, the, the whole group or the, you know, the one, the one time a friend who was from, you know, this, uh, this, this political stance who really rubbed me the wrong way and not think, you know, something about the whole, the whole group of people. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Okay. It's the, the acronym is AAPI. So I don't know what AAPI, how that shakes out to Asian American. Oh, I see it now. <laughs> so <laughs> Yes. Anyway, apparently, I, I say apparently because I'm an idiot, but apparently there's like angst against Asian American and Pacific Islander people. Like there's like, and I never knew that that was a thing. I mean, certainly, you know, in our world, in our nation's history, we know that black and white is a thing, you know, and I guess Latino-ness is a thing. But I guess I just never really identified, like, Asian American and Pacific Islander bias being a thing. Like, what? Like why, 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 who, why are you mad? You know? But then the same mm-hmm. thing applies to all those other things. Like, right. why, like why are you mad at the black culture. Why are you uh-huh. mad at the Latino culture? Like, what, what are you mad about? And like, and we look at them and see them differently for sure by, you know, with using the eye test, they're different. And then we look at the way that they live and like, oh, I would never live like that. I would never live, you know, whatever. I don't even want to say things because I feel like anything you'd say would just be, you know? And so like, I don't know, we just look at them and because they're different, they're wrong. And that's been something that, I don't know, the church has been doing for a long time. And I, I guess I just keep going back to this idea of inclusion, mm-hmm. you know, and. I just feel like, I feel like we're, we're on team human. If you remember yeah, that yeah. and we're to love people and love God, I just feel like we could spend all day. We could spend our whole life trying to figure out, okay, what are the differences? Why does someone feel this way or not? And why, you know, based on, you know, the, the um, beef there, it's like, I, I didn't know that, but between, between those, um, those different groups of people, but it, it's like, I, I don't have time to spend, you know, search the internet and look at every single human, you know, race and past, but I can do my best just to love people Yeah, because I know team human, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Love them all and mm-hmm. let God sort them out. Yeah. Right. I mean, I just feel like that's, that's gotta be the way. It's just, I don't know how you do it any other way. Mm-hmm. There isn't a truth for me and a truth for you. There is the Bible the lasting God-breathed words that we are to humbly measure our life by. All people are required, not just the chosen Jewish people. All of us are required when the truth is given 
that we take it. It's not just a suggestion. We are to all live out the truth. Uh, last night at uh, church downtown, we were talking about this. And uh, we talked about how uh, that's a popular thing. Like, hey, you just do you. And as long as you're not hurting me or anybody else, you're going to be fine. And that's like finding your own truth, I suppose. And there's, I mean, there's some, there's some value in that concept. Until you tell me that you want to serve the same Jesus that I serve. That you want to worship the same God that I want to worship. And now we have a different conversation. Because now there's one truth. And that one truth, I believe, applies to everybody, but everyone's got to find that for themselves. So in that way, that we do have to find our truth, even though I know our truth is the truth. I want everyone to know the truth because I understand the satisfaction of it. I understand the fulfillment of it. You know, but it, it's a hard thing. Like, I, I can't take my truth and beat you over the head with it because mm -hmm. that's not going to make you believe that it's true. You know, it's like... A, <laughs> I, if I lived it and you watched me live it and you could see the fruit of how I live and the yeah. fruit of my truth, then you'd be like, give me some of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that's great. That's great. I feel like you, you know, you may be the, what comes to mind is you may be the best Bible that someone ever reads or not the best Bible. You may yeah. be the only Bible that some yeah. people, yeah. That's I'm it. definitely not the, no, for, for sure. I'm not the best Bible, yeah. uh, but it's, it's, uh, I think it's important that we speak with truth and love, but I feel like, I, I'm for sure guilty of not saying a lot of truth because I want to love on people and yeah. I want to just go, okay. And I don't want to bring that up because you're going to be, you know, it's going to put it, put like a, um, just something between us. And so I feel like it's important to know when to bring up the truth. Cause if you do do it too quick, you know, you may rub the wrong way. You never have the chance to, um, to have a conversation again. So I feel like just the relationship that you live in, uh, as an example, I feel like they'll have questions. And I feel like, you know, that's where I feel really blessed where I'm at because I can be, uh, you know, a Bible or a light for a lot of, a lot of students, you know, thousands of students every year that, you know, I'm able to just do my best to be a light for them. And I feel like I get a lot of questions. It's not like a ton, it's not like every day, but I feel like, you know, wh where God, God has each in a spot for a reason. And he for sure has me where I'm at to be a light for, uh, these young, struggling students and, and people. And I feel like the more you can live out your truth, the less you actually have to like combat it yeah. because people are coming to you going, what's different? Tell me more about that. Wait, what's this devotional thing? What's this church thing? Or I see you posting about it. And how can we use our truth on social media to just say what we love about life and not be uh, having to condemn people or say, call them sinners or rub them the wrong way? Because that's not going to change anyone on a Facebook post. But if they see that, you may attract them to you to be able to then share the truth when they're open to it. Yeah. There's a, a Bonhoeffer quote. I can never find it when I'm looking for it. So if you don't know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, not Bonhoeffer. Probably because you can't spell his last name. Right. I no, I can't. It. But it's yeah. like, anyway, he was, a, uh, he was part of the Nazi resistance, you know, in the 40s. And he was a great thinker. He was a great, gosh, he was brilliant. Anyway, obviously he got killed for being uh, Nazi resistant. But anyway, he said something about how before we have um, the before we have the right to speak uh, that kind of truth over someone, first we have to sit with them, right, and and see them and 
hear their burdens and carry their burdens and serve them through that before we've got a position where we can say, and here's the truth, right? Before we can, before we can speak in truth, they have to be fully loved and we have to be fully invested in them before we do that. And I, I love that idea because I think about like people that if, if you ask me, if you pointed to someone and it was clear that they were lost and that they were broken and that they were a sinner, like, uh, the last thing I would do for me is like, oh my gosh, dude, you're such a sinner. You have to stop doing that. Are you going to go to hell? Like that's, I, it's just, that doesn't, that's not how, like how I work. And so m- maybe that makes me like unfaithful to the truth, but I just feel like if I can just bear their burdens for a second, if I can see them, if I can make them feel loved, you know, then for sure. And that doesn't mean I agree with what they're doing, but I can love them despite what they're doing. Right? Like I don't have to, I don't have to agree with everything they're doing as I love them. At some point in that relationship, hopefully, they get to the point that you're talking about where they're like, I want what you have. How do I have that? And so like, oh, cool. Let me tell you how that works, right? And so then then speaking in truth comes up. I just, I don't know. I'm no good at like jumping in front of someone I don't know and saying, you're going to hell. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I don't have, I don't have, <laughs> I don't have that. Uh-huh. Some people have that. I don't have that. Pastor preached a few years back, and I remember being jarred by the concept that we fight pride with worship because the opposite of pride is worship, not humility. I was like, what? When we humble ourselves to worship the God, we break down our pride. And now I just found more biblical proof that he was right. Obadiah's name means worshiper of Yahweh. I loved how she touched on pride there. I wonder, Jason, how you feel our pride separates us from who we can be in God. Mm. Yeah, I have a lot to share in this. I feel, I mean, I struggle with this every day. You know, I feel like being less like me and more like Jesus every day is a struggle. And I feel like in my position as an achieving person who's trying to, you know, build and work hard and it's, it's a balance of, Hey, I want to work hard. I want to, I, God put me in this position to, to do well and to lead people. But am I trying to build my kingdom or his kingdom? And so it's a constant battle back and forth. And I feel like when I worship, I feel like it kind of surrenders my own selfish desires. And mm. even, I don't know if you realize, but you're, you realize that your prayer yesterday at church dealt with this a little bit. Are you aware that it no. coincides with, you said, um, in Mark 14, 36, right? Abba, Father, you cried out, everything is possible. Um, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Yeah. And so I feel like God is right there worshiping. Jesus was worshiping. Yeah, that's good. Through prayer saying, hey, I lift up my pride. I do not want to do this. This is not what I want to do, but your will be done. And I feel like that's a struggle. That's for sure a struggle for me. And so it's, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely a battle. Um, and I think also as a, as a man who's trying to achieve, who's trying to be the masculine man that society wants us to be and that, you know, we need to be a leader for our people yeah. and, our, and our family. But I feel like, you know, Jesus was for sure humble and um, put everyone else first, but he did it in confidence and he did it and, and just, yeah, doing it for the right reason and worshiping God along the way. 
I feel like pride, yeah, pride is something I could talk about for a while uh, because I feel like you've overcome some pride, but also there's still a little bit there that I, I struggle with. Mm. Yeah, I, I was thinking while you were talking because that was brilliant. Like I feel like I can't, I can't be a worshiper of Yahweh. I can't be a worshiper of God and proud of myself at the same time. Like I can't, I can be grateful for who God made me to be and I can thank him for that and I can worship him for that, but I can't worship myself. Like I can't be like, mm, I got that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I gotta be like, oh, you got that, right? So I don't want my way, I want your way, you know? And I can't do both. I can't do both. You know, that any, any pride that I have, I have to figure out, like, if, I, if I'm feeling that about myself, if I'm like, I'm super proud of myself for that. Not that we should be ashamed of ourselves, but like, like, look what I did. As soon as, and as men, we're that. Like, if you mow the lawn, like, you go out and you look at the lawn, you're like, mm, I did a good job on that lawn, right? If we fold the laundry or if we fix something, you know, we're all like, mm, I did that, you know? And like, we love the work that we do. And I feel like that's part of our nature as men, as the male and the species, I totally get that. But like, I always have to take a second and say, what has God provided me that made that possible? You know, because I, I mean, in my 20s, you know, the idea of having my own lawn to cut, that was a ridiculous thought, right? There was just, I was too much of a failure to ever have my own lawn that I would mow with my own lawnmower, you know, around my own pool. You know, like there's just no way. And so if I'm ever feeling, you know, strong, in that way, I need to remind myself like what I have. Like I talk a lot about, you know, my business and how I'm a photographer and it's a successful business and it's, I mean, it's really great, right? But this was God's reaction to the fact that I couldn't hold down a job. You know, like I just kept getting fired from jobs, not for like stealing or being bad. I just, they just never worked out. And so finally God's like, bro, seriously, we gotta, we gotta do something here, right? So let's try this photography thing. And it didn't make any sense. I'd never gone to school for it. I didn't have any experience in it and I just tried it. And so he made that happen. So if I ever look back at, you know, look at me and my business, you know, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, God, this was like God's last resort before you just, you know. And so pride's a problem for me mm -hmm. because I, I want to be liked. Mm -hmm. And, but I have to realize that um, the things about me that are likable are things that God gave me. And that his approval for me is all that I need. I don't need validation from anybody else. Not from the public. I don't need validation from my dad. I don't need validation from my wife. You know, those things are nice to have, I suppose. But like in the end, I have to be grateful and see my validation and who God is and who mm -hmm. God made me, you know? Yeah. And who like, who are you trying to impress? You're yeah. trying to impress the other people or, or God. And so I feel right. like with pride... I feel self-talk is huge. You know, I feel like saying you did a good job, feeling good about yourself, good self-esteem is also important, but I think it, it gets to a, a scary moment where, and a stressful moment where if you're like, I did all this, I accomplished all this, I feel like you're, it's a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. Yeah. It's, it's like you have to constantly perform and constantly keep on getting better and constantly do your thing as opposed to going into situations going, hey, I'm gonna do my best, but God, you got this, like yeah. work through me. And I feel like it's such a, a relieving way to live life. And again, like, like you meant, like you were saying, I struggle for sure with wanting to be like, that's one of my biggest, biggest struggles. And so I think sometimes um, pride is, is, is like hidden, like really it's hidden in insecurity. 
And it's kind of like, you know, the, the bully, the bully at the playground who's really, you know, the most messed up or the most hurting, yeah, yeah. but is beating up everyone else. And I feel like pride is almost a, you know, I, I think, and you know, their culture too, the, you know, the men that want to accomplish and conquer, you know, God made us to be warriors and yeah. to be leaders and um, listening to the wild at heart right now too, again, which is really great. And it's mm-hmm. like, he made us to be that way, but not a self-centered yeah. way. And I feel like the more we can <clears throat> rely on, on Jesus, uh, the less prideful we come across. Yeah. I feel like if we're a person of worship, humility will come easier than if we're a person uh, who worships, worships our own accomplishments. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I, he's our creator. We're in his image. He's not in our image. Mm-hmm. And so what are we really proud about? Like, I'm like, look at me and what I've done. Well, what I'm really saying is like, look at me. I'm in God's image and look how he made yeah. me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So those are two different things. And so there's, I don't know. And, and were those accomplishments in the sacrifice of not being fully a great husband, a great father, yeah. a great, yeah. um, you know, church member. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I dig that. Yeah, I think, uh, so a verse that comes to mind too is Philippians 1, 20, not come to, comes on, I prepared this, so not like I have this memorized, but uh, Philippians one twenty one is to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I feel like when I listen, I hear that, I didn't get it at first. Like, what, die, what are you talking yeah. about? It's to die to my own yes. selfish desires, my own want to be liked, my own want to be the best right now when this is such a short time of our eternity that we're here. And again, what am I trying to build all this stuff up for? Now, not that building wealth and success and influence is bad, but if it's in the price of being the best Jesus person you can be and being a great family person, helping out your church, like tithe kind of comes to mind too. Like that's worshiping God. You're giving it up. Like, Hey, I don't need all of like, God, thank you so much for blessing me with this. Let me give some back to you for thanks. Um, Worship him, worshiping him on the Sabbath. Right. God, I know you can do more with six days on my side than seven days without you on my side because of I'm not, you know, taking time to rest like 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 you recommend. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that circles back to where you started because I feel like if if all we're concerned about is pursuing our own pleasure, right? That that's you know, that the you know, like we talked about, there's no value in that. And so we need to die to that for ourselves. Like, so to die is gain for me means I need to kill that part of me. Like That sounds so dramatic, mm-hmm. but like, I just need to like end that pursuit of pleasure, you know? And so, and pursue the, the love of Christ and being a conduit of the love of Christ, that that's, you know, that's what it's about. And so like, if I can just die to myself and kill off this need to like, just be happy for four hours on a Friday night or three hours on a Saturday night or whatever, you know? Like if I can kill that off or like wean that off anyway, then, then I have this life that's full and joy and satisfaction to God where like when I get there, he's going to be like, well done, my good and faithful Mm -hmm. servant. Like he's not, I'm not going to get there and say, look at all the fun I had or look at all the money I blew or look at, you know, he's not going to say, oh, look look how much fun you had. Come on in. Like it's not going to be the way it works. He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Thanks. You know, he did a great job of pursuing me and pursuing my love. And I feel like that's totally what it's about. Anyway. Hey, this was a good episode. You did great. It was great. Thanks. You should do more podcasts, brother. Hey, I'd love it. I yeah. just like getting time with you. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that just was hanging awesome. out. Yeah, I love that. In this cool studio. Yes. It is. Uh, I, I, it's the lighting. 
So anyway, listen, if you uh, enjoyed this podcast, we'd love it if you would uh, review um, and rate it on your favorite podcast platform or share it with friends on social media. The more people uh, that review, rate, and share, the more people will see uh, this podcast and uh, this information, this content, uh, this perspective will be shared with more and more people. We hope you enjoyed it. There's other podcasts in the Life Church uh, family, including the whole podcast, which is the Journey to Homeless podcast. Our sermon series is sermon series is that's what I just said. I just said that. Our sermon series are always on a podcast. There's also cheery conversations at home with the Hennessy's Pastor and Rabbi walk into a bar. There's a bunch. You can find out all of them by visiting podcast.lifechurch greenbay.com. Anyway, once again, Jason, I'm glad that you were here. Thanks for thanks for being around. Um, and I hope you come back again another time. Thanks so, for having me. Thanks. So once again, my name is Scott Eastman. You've been joining us for Chew on That. Uh, we hope that uh, you join us again in the future and tell all your friends to join us too. We'll talk to you next time.